Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Good show for you guys today. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And you can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Talking World Juniors and Calgary Flames with Peter Labardius, and then talking RuPaul's Drag Race with my wife. Some bonus content at the end. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening, and here's Luke. Very pleased to be joined by our next guest. He is uh, a knower of all things hockey, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, uh, an expert on junior hockey, which we are definitely going to take advantage of today. He is Peter Labardius. Mr. Labardius, how are you today, sir? Uh, Mr. Klein, I'm chatting with you, so I'm even better, but I'm delighted. The World Junior uh, Selection Camp named today here in Ottawa. I was lucky enough to be here for it and uh, excited about watching the country's best 16-year-olds and our women's national team playing in the Capital City Challenge. So uh, you know me pretty well. You might say I'm in my glory right about now. Yeah, I was going to say we find you in your natural habitat today, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but before we get into some of the other stuff, the uh, the, the tournament that you were there um, witnessing in person right now, how, how is that going and who's kind of stood out to you so far? Well, it's the 2005 age group is, is a terrific age group in our country. And I'm certainly pretty familiar with the, you know, the, the Zach Benson of Winnipeg, um, you know, the likes of Braden Yeager, who I think is going to be a tremendous player who plays in Moose Jaw and a bunch of the Western Hockey League kids who, you know, a lot of them, Peter, played in the bubbles last year when the Western Hockey League played a short season, you know, for 20 or 24 games. But it was great, you know, to come here and see them all gathered together. Um, you know, I've been really impressed. Callum Ritchie who's having a terrific year as a 16-year-old with the Oshawa Generals. Um, I might fill up our whole podcast if I told you how excited I am about the 05 age group. And, of course, Connor Bedard is the only one who's not here. But as uh, we found out today, that 2005 birthday has some bigger fish to fry. Yeah, and he is the the one that's catching a lot of the attention as he gets named to the um, the, the invite list, I guess, for for Team Canada for the World Juniors. Um, he was it, it was there was a highlight every night of him the last season, and again, it was only in the bubble and it was only for a, a brief amount of time. Uh, but this certainly it, it feels like the most excitement around a Western prospect in a really long time. Uh, what have you seen from him in, in kind of year two of him being on the the national consciousness? Well. Peter, I had an opportunity just on the past weekend to watch him in Calgary against the Hitmen. And I, I wouldn't say that that was a great day for evaluation. His team was exhausted. He looked exhausted in a big turnaround from playing in Red Deer till 10 at night and then playing in Calgary in an 11 a.m. start. Um, my greatest takeaway really from Connor Bedard came as a double underage in Texas when he helped Canada win a world under 18 title. He had 10 points in the last three games in the playoffs. Um, he has what I like to refer to. You've heard this once or twice in our time together. He has magic mitts, like <laughs> literally his hands, his ability in tight space. Um, the goal he scored in the gold medal game against Russia to tie it after he missed a penalty shot and cut to the middle and you know, just went shelf from about 45 feet on the backhand side is one of my favorite goals for quite some time. So 
you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because it's, it's a really good roster that was unveiled today. There's 21 very capable forwards. Now, because, you know, the roster size, Peter, has changed because of COVID. And, of course, we're not out of that yet. Um, you know, the roster is now 25, not 23. So I thought Alan Miller put it best today at the news conference, the terrific director of player personnel for Hockey Canada. And he said, Connor Bedard is the type of player that can change a game in one play. Mm. And I thought that was a wonderful description because that's exactly what I saw on a number of occasions at the world under 18. In fact, I've only seen one comparable performance as a double underage. And listen, they're not the same player, but it was Connor McDavid in mm. 2013 as a 15 year old. So, and he put up 14 points too. So this, this is a really good player. Mm. You know, he's not a burner Peter in terms of North South speed, but he's got incredible east-west kind of Johnny Gaudreau-like lateral movement. And what he can do with his hands in space, superb. You, you talked about it before, uh, a little bit in there, in, in that like that this is not a given necessarily that he, he makes this team because of the, the strength of this team. And just going through this roster and reading up on, on some of these players, th this feels like a, uh, the potential to be a very good year for Canada in general. Are you seeing it that way as well? I, I am. Um, you know, last year was absolutely a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, as most people know who followed the tournament, you have to credit the guys south of the border. They played one marvelous game in the gold medal and beat us 2-0 and, and were full marks. But that was a very, very good team. I think this is a very good team. And what excites me about this group is I think they have everything. They've got size. Um, they've got grit. They've got Owen Power to help anchor their back end who will try to become the first player since Patrice Bergeron to win a world championship and then win a world junior, which Bergeron did back in 2004 and 2005. Caden Gooley, a first round pick of Montreal was fabulous in the summer camp. He was there last year. It's great to have veterans. So, you know, there's plenty of skill up front. So I like this team. I think they have a little of everything. But again, um, you know, Peter, as you know, I try really hard at this time of year to help push one narrative. And that is this is not Canada's tournament to win. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny because in some ways, I don't know if this tournament is as big as it once was. And yet when you get down to the final four of this event, and you track the finals of this tournament going back to, you know, 2010, 2009, it's almost can't miss. Mm -hmm. So, and it's going to be that way again with another terrific field of the usual suspects along with Canada. Um, th this is generally a, a tournament that, that is dominated by players that have already been drafted, but there is one player, um, I guess there's a couple draft eligible for, for Canada this year, but one in particular that's getting a lot of attention, and, and that is um, Shane Wright. Again, sometimes it, it, results can vary for guys who are top prospects who haven't been drafted yet in this tournament. How do you think Shane Wright fits into this whole equation? Well, I think Shane Wright is a fabulous player. 
He's a leader. I think even last year, Peter, when he tried to make the team as a 16-year-old, and even in what I saw at the summer camp, I think Shane's put a lot of pressure on himself. He did not have a fabulous summer camp. He was incredible at the World Under-18, captaining that gold medal team. He had 15 points, didn't even play in two or three of the games. He had about six different ailments, including a crack in an ankle. Um, he had a viral issue and another problem, strep throat, but still was masterful. So, you know, and I've talked to a couple of Hockey Canada people about that after the summer camp, and they were first to point out, yeah, it wasn't quite as dominating as, as they thought it might be. But I think what this guy needs is to get to camp, relax a little, and just be him because he's a really special do-it-all type of player. He's, you know, there's only one Patrice Bergeron. In Calgary, I like to call Elias Lindholm Patrice Bergeron light. Well, this guy reminds me a little, sometimes a lot, of Patrice Bergeron. Hmm. Pretty good comparison to have for sure. Um, yeah. As we as we wrap up the uh, the world junior part of this conversation, um, like you said before, like the the traditional powers are are usually going to be there. There's always going to be someone on Russia who I'm I'm going to hate way more than I should hate an 18 year old for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and and Team USA, it, it seems like just every year now it's they're back yeah. into juggernaut territory. But who are some of the, the other teams that kind of stand out above the rest going into this tournament? You know, again, um, I've felt this way for a long time the united states the defending champions veneers you know they have three veterans returning on the blue line including jake sanderson the ottawa first rounder who peter i think is probably ready for the nhl right now and might be the best defenseman not playing in the nhl they're mm. strong up front um their goaltending is we'll see We'll see. That might be the only area for them that I don't think is a great strength. So they're going to be outstanding. You know, the Swedes with William Eklund being sent back from San Jose, you know, they're always just consistent. And well, last year they actually lost a round robin game for the first <laughs> time in a thousand years. Um, and the Finns, the Finns are in Canada's pool. Um, do not take them lightly. They returned 10 or 11 players from last year's bronze medal winning team in Edmonton. That's a really good team. And the Russians, well, the Russians have a lot of ammo and weapons and, and maybe not some of, you know, players that people know, but coming up for the draft. Okay. So you said earlier, there might be a, 17 or 18 year old you're not going to be able to stand mm -hmm. well remember this name if you don't know it ivan Marashnishenko, who is a big right winger who was fabulous at the world under 18 um you know he's not the next coming of alexander ovechkin but this guy can flat out score hmm. and then there's this other young guy who's going to be there too he's 16 year old matvey michkov and he, well, he just had 14 goals at the world under 18. <laughs> He'll turn, what day is it today? He turned 17. So he's technically a 17-year-old on December the 9th. Mm. And his skill level 
is off the charts. So I'm pretty sure it'll be him and Bedard likely when we talk about the 2023 draft. But uh, as you can tell, I'm, you know, they could start in half an hour and I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I'm sure you would be. Yeah. Um, tra- transitioning to the, the Calgary Flames. Um, yes. I have a bone to pick with this team because okay. I, um, I, I covered this team for uh, almost exactly a decade. <laughs> And, I was wondering um, what this was going to be. Not, not a banner decade, and, and like not the worst, but not, uh, not one that I, I think is going to be looked back on as a, a glory time for this Flames team. I leave, and now all of a sudden, they're the best team in the NHL, and, and no one can stop them. Um, so my first question is how? how? How is this happening now with this Flames team that I, I had kind of, admittedly, I'd kind of written off that, okay, they're going to tr- give this one more try, it's not going to work, and then we'll see what happens. It, it's certainly working, whatever is happening out there. Well, I'll try and give you as quick an answer as a non-quick guy like me can give you. (laughs) Um, You know, it was a full summer for Daryl Sutter, who coached in 30 games, as you well know, last season, to observe, understand truly what he was getting into and understanding a lot of the people. And so in Calgary now with Daryl at the helm, there is no question who's delivering the message and the fact that, you know, there's, there's not a lot of gray area there. Um, (laughs) He, and, and the other factor that I talk about on the radio a lot, Peter, that I don't think people are giving enough credence to is when you bring in people like, you know, Richardson, like Trevor Lewis, um, you know, Blake Coleman, even though he's slumping at the second is not slumping in terms of his play Um, his ability to check, his ability to be used in really key, important situations. You know, Eric Goodbranson's been a revelation, especially on the penalty kill. You know, they're harder to play against. That's that's the bot. They're more experienced. And I'm just going to say this because it'll make you laugh for sure. They're slotted way better. (laughs) Slotted way better. You know, and, and we, you know, I used to have the wonderful pleasure of doing a hit with you on a daily basis. And, you know, how many times did we talk about, you know, with this forward group, for example, let's face it, from about forward number five to forward number 12 or 13, didn't seem to be a lot of difference. Right. But, but now you add those guys, they know how to win. Um, they accept their roles. They're not trying to be anything outside of what they're being asked for. You know, there's still a long way to go. Mm -hmm. And I think, frankly, they've surprised people and that's helped them because you're right. Not a lot was expected of this group, especially because in a lot of people's minds, they didn't make big changes, but I think the changes that they did make slotted them better gave them more experience and experience that has won and fits in the right spots. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my, my next question for this is how, how sustainable is this? Because we have seen a hot start from this team before um, going back a a couple of years, not many. No, we, that's why I said a, um, yeah. hot start, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> going back a couple of years, uh, where, um, like just everything was clicking and this team goes on and finishes first in the West. And then what happened happened. Um, how, how can this team kind of carry this or, or can they carry this further than they have in years past? 
Well, I'm, I, I don't think they're going to finish first in the West again. Okay. But what I will, but what I will say, and they might, I don't mm-hmm. know. But what I will say to you is, I think for the first time in quite some time, they understand, and it's not, trust me, it's not that other coaches did not try to go down this road. But this gentleman, um, like they know they have to check to win. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not a team that has elite level. You know, we talked about Connor Bedard earlier. Flames don't necessarily have players that can change a game in one play, like some of the other teams in the NHL. Um, But when this group plays as collective as they have, they're hard to play against. Their special teams have been good. They, you know, they set up well in their lineup, but you know, as long, you know, it's funny. They, they don't ever seem to lose when they get to three, but hmm. the bigger one for me is they don't ever end up really not getting at least one point when they limit their opponents to two hmm. and, and, you know, their defensive structure, um, their play as a group of fives, They've been very well connected. Um, and I, I think it's the type of team that, you know, they, they may not run away and have 108 points, but it's the kind of team, and we never know with injuries and additions or deletions what's going to happen. Right. But I do think if this team gets into the playoffs, and I expect them to, they're not going to go out like that aforementioned group you did earlier. Mm-hmm. When let's, I, I have a little fun with this and I don't want to be disrespectful, but had it not been for Mike Smith against the Colorado Avalanche in 2019, that series might have ended in three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It felt that way. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, that's being silly, but yeah. <laughs> and yet I say that, but, but remember, they were within about a buck and a half of taking a two nothing lead in that series mm-hmm. in game two. So, yep. That's how finite it can be. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the makeup in terms of not only being more sustainable now, but more sustainable when it matters. Well, Mr. Labardius, thank you very much. I know you have uh, a lot on your plate today, so we'll let you go. But uh, always fun chatting hockey with you, sir. Uh, be well, and we'll chat again soon. For you, anytime. And, by the way, uh, I like your hat. Ah, thank you. Yes, yeah, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not confident that I'll be thrilled with them. No, on, I don't. Um, I don't on, think on that hat's going to be on display in Hamilton. But no. But you never know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I. I. I, I feel like I know, but that's that. That's just me <laughs> being burned by this team many times before. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Klein. Be well. Take care. Miss you, pal. And all the best. Miss you too. And yes, take care. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Venturing away from the world of sports for a moment, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK just wrapped up uh, and here to break it all down very extensively is uh, my wife and other podcast co-host, Kimberly Carson. We are the hosts of We Had No Idea and she joins us now. Kim, hello. Ooh. 
hey, I am so honored to be doing this today. You're yelling and it's loud. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, when the, the victor, by the way, very much spoilers ahead. Um, so if you have not seen RuPaul's Drag Race UK and uh, you still wish to and don't want to get spoilers, I think I've killed time long enough. But uh, in case I haven't, rate, review, subscribe. You can find me on social media and spoilers ahead in three, two, one. So <laughs> I'm still giving them more time. Um, when the winner was announced, yeah, your jaw droppeth literally dropped for yes. for uk yeah it did mm -hmm. you know so top three we had here's the spoilers yes if you still for some <laughs> fucking reason haven't clicked away boy you better <laughs> okay so when it was the top three of <clears throat> versace oh my god what are their names now i've already forgotten <laughs> yeah christopher sachi oh, and kitty scott claus kitty scott claus which is such a great name yes elva day and kitty scott claus both better names than crystal versace in mm -hmm. my humble opinion but anyways yeah uh my jaw literally dropped when it was crystal because i just felt like she didn't like she definitely grew on the show but I think we can all agree that elva day had the biggest you know chrysalis into a butterfly moment well, chrysalis is the biggest word that's been used on this podcast. Um, <laughs> smart sports talk for smart sports people. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, or something like that. Um, I see. Th this is where you and I disagree on this okay. because, like, I think she had some growth, like not to the level of elevated. Oh, I think she sure. did too. <clears throat> but I feel like we saw like her looks all season were immaculate, like chef's kiss, like the best every time. But we're the same. I don't know she if she got called for that time after time. She wore like a long turtleneck bodysuit for most of her runways, which were gorgeous, I will not deny. Mm. But they were fundamentally the same. But then she mixed in head stuff. And anyway, not the point. Um, like she was. She mixed in head stuff. We're going to walk by that while we're breaking down <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race. All yeah, right. Sure. All right, all right. Um, we, um, like we saw her looks were fantastic the whole time. Yes. And I do think we saw more personality out of her as the whole thing went along. Like she wasn't, I don't think we're all of a sudden going to be like, oh, comedy queen, Crystal Versace. But I, I do think that there was, I, I do think there was a substantial amount of growth there. And also when you start at the top. It's tough to grow. No, I know. And I will give it to her. She is only 19. So, you know, I see someone like Kitty Scott Claus who's put in the time, done the drag shows, done the late night clubs, had an audience of 10 people. And it's like Crystal hasn't had to do that yet. So, of course, you know, she's going to kind of flounder in the roast. And, of course, she's going to, you know, do not as well in some of the uh, acting challenges or competitions because she's 19 years old, mm -hmm. ultimately. She still has a child who's like, is this funny? I don't know. And she yeah. still has that, like, self-conscious kind of layer. I don't think that she's an awful pick. Like, you know, right before we, we went into the finale, you said any of the top three winning and I would be happy with. I am happy with her winning. I just don't think it was the rightest of choices. It's like a multiple choice quiz where maybe A, B, and C are all right. And D is definitely the wrong one. But A, B, and C are right. It's just like A and B are more right than C. Okay. You know? Well, yeah. No, that's fair. Because I, I do think L of a day, like if, if, I were, if I were the one picking, it would have been L of a day winning. Me too. Yeah. It would have been it would have been hell of a day. She just had so like as much as Crystal surprised us when she was funny in some challenges. It's like Eliva did that too. Mm -hmm. And then she won four competitions. Yes. Three on her own, one in a group that she was like the leader of. Mm -hmm. Come on. <laughs> yes. Um skitty uh skitty cock claws. Um <laughs> 
Kitty's Got Claws, uh, I thought had a great showing as well. Um, but I just like, I didn't see her as the winner by the end. No. And I honestly, I would say out of the three of them, uh, Kitty's Got Claws is probably the one, if, if all three of them separately came to town, mm-hmm. Kitty is the one I'm buying tickets for. Oh, interesting. Ella would be the one for me. See, and like, I'm, I mean, I'd be like, oh, am I free that night for Ella? But I would make sure I was free for Kitty. Okay. Okay. That's fair. But she would have been my, she would have been my second or third choice to win. Yeah. Overall, I thought this was a really strong season of UK. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that like all three of them have been pretty strong. Um, I, I, I think there are a few that I would like to see and like, if they were going to do a UK all-stars or if they were going to do US versus the world all-stars, which mm. I've seen people suggest that they try to do, um, I think there's a few on there that I would like to see. Like, obviously, the the runners-up would be good. Yeah. I think a couple more years, Scarlet Harlot could definitely be in that situation. And I think uh, Vandy Milan as well could work her way into this spot as well. Into kind of like an all-star type of an area. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. Um, I think if we have any Canadian competitors in this fantasy RuPaul Drag Race US Against the World. Yeah. Um, if we have Canada involved, uh, RuPaul won't be there. <laughs> yeah, it is a little hurt. I, I was, it is extremely hurtful. I was thinking about it. We have different laws than anywhere else about like Canadian content or whatever. And for main characters, if two thirds of them are from the United States, you know, like you instead of having which two thirds? Well, it would be Michelle and RuPaul. Well, Michelle wouldn't come. Just RuPaul. Oh, okay. Well, Michelle goes everywhere. So, I'm just saying, like. It's never one without the other. So then you would have the rotating third be the Canadian. And then, of course, all the queens being Canadian as well. Um, But I I just wonder if there's like a main character quota that we don't know about or something. That's the only explanation I can have. Um, Or RuPaul's just not allowed in the country. Uh, Either way. Does RuPaul have a DUI? (laughs) I don't know. You can't come to Canada if you have a DUI on your record. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, you can't come into hmm. the country. Well, let's not spread rumors about one of the more beloved figures in pop culture these days. Uh, <laughs> we are caught up on Canada as well. That mm-hmm. roast was something. Yeah, I mean, you know, three out of three. <laughs> yeah. Or three out of six, I should say. Right. Yeah, three, three, three good, three bad is what yeah. I was going for there. Yeah. Um, I thought this was kind of a coming out party, no pun intended, for <laughs> um, Kendall gender. Mm-hmm. I, I thought this was kind of a... Like she has, it always felt to me like there was a personality that she had in the diaries mm-hmm. and in the workroom that wasn't showing up on the main stage. And now I feel like there is some of that there. And this could be like one of those like, oh, like she has arrived, like much like Snatch Game was for Kitty Scott Claus. I totally agree. Yeah, I would totally agree. Her having a lip sync in the previous episode to the most recent episode, mm-hmm. I think definitely kicked her in the ass yeah. she was like oh if i want to win this i need to step my pussy up <laughs> uh in terms of people who are standing out as like the like main favorite of canada i would say isis couture right now probably anyone else jumping to your mind isis couture kendall gender obviously yeah. she's got you know a couple more weeks to prove herself here but if she sticks around for that long then she's a finalist mm-hmm. I think that uh, Pythia has been doing very well. Yeah. I would like to see her be less, like, it seems like she her, her shtick is just kind of being bitchy mm. to me. Okay. And even in the diary room, you know, she's like, I made a whole candy costume for my sin and, um, and Isis came out in leather and chains. Like, you know, there was no effort there. And it's like, well, sometimes effort, execution, and 
the challenge has to factor into it. Yeah. Work smarter, not harder. Exactly. And it's like, you obviously can tell when someone is cutting corners. You can't tell me for one second that Isis was cutting corners in her Ralph costume. No, I agree. Um, Another one who, like, it very hit and miss, but if she hits her stride, I think could really do it, is Geometric. Mm. Uh, Like, this week was rough. The roast was really, really bad. Um, and she talks a lot, which they, they bring up quite a bit. But I do feel like she has the potential that she could go on a few re- week run and just win this thing, you know? Right. I think that Geometric, I, I honestly don't know about her. I think okay. that I think that we will see her go either next week or in two episodes from now. Okay. I don't have faith in her. I don't think that she has faith in herself. So, like, it's, it's, the, it's what RuPaul says at the end of every show except for the Canada one. Right. <laughs> Which I'm obviously not bitter about at yeah, all. Yeah, no, not even a little bit. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? If you can't make the audience believe it, it's because you don't believe it. Yeah. She can't trust herself, so I don't trust her. I don't think that she's going to... I don't think she's going to win. I don't think she'll make okay. it to final four, even. Okay. That's my prediction for Geometric. I like her. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I would just like to see her... It, you hear it time and time again. Every single season, it's like, get out of your head. Just yes. do, do the thing that you're most scared of doing and you're probably going to win. Mm-hmm. Just All right. do that. Thank, thank you for this. <laughs> you're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, back to your regularly scheduled sports talk. If you want to hear more from me, we do have a podcast together. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. And it comes out generally Wednesdays-ish. Yes. Except for when either of us are sick, which yeah. has been the issue the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. I'm sure you can hear little snuffles in this. Yeah. We're both just so high on cold medicine <laughs> all the time. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right. That's the show. Uh, thank you to Mr. Labardius. Thank you to my wife. And thank you to you for listening. We have We Had No Idea coming out uh, later this week. I have the Sports Rundown podcast with the Fresh Take Network uh, coming out later this week as well. And Friday, it'll be another Fights in Football Friday as the CFL goes into their final four. The NFL goes into week 13 and all the news from what is another busy weekend in the world of face punching. So thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you later this week. I'm out. No.